everybody. Welcome to the fourth edition, I believe, of the Source Technology LA Cyber Team podcast. Um, join us here once a month here on the Source Talks podcast network here on LinkedIn and, and everywhere else um, where myself and other fantastic security and recruitment professionals um, from around several industries will be um, chatting through a variety of topics. I'm here today with Tom, um, somebody I've known in the industry for a good amount of time. He's been kind enough to jump on today to talk through some of the challenges we're seeing. And of course, through some of his background and and maybe ways that veterans, for example, um, can break into the industry and, and work through that stuff. So um, with that, I appreciate you jumping on, Tom. Um, if you're willing maybe to just give a general run through of, of some of your journey, maybe, or, or how you got us started in, in technology security would, would be helpful. And we can just kind of dive in. For sure, for sure. So uh, I've been working as uh, in an innovation space and then engineering leadership space for almost 20 years now. Um, the last decade or so, I've really been focused on commercial IoT, so Internet of Things stuff. Uh, that, that kind of experience started in about 2010, where I co-founded a startup that was at that time really focused on real-time data transformation, moving data back and forth, um, pivoted and focused on IoT starting around 2014. That company was acquired by a, another cellular uh, company. We took our took our technology platform, built a pretty cool, pretty successful um, IoT data orchestration platform uh, there, and um, it all really started because I got my my kind of bootstrap into professional technology uh, while serving in the military as an electronic warfare signals intelligence specialist. Flashlink. Yeah, that's wonderful. I guess, obviously, you kind of answered the question a little bit there, but I guess what drew you specifically to technology and then, you know, the IoT space of, of more note? So I've loved technology, I guess, since I was a kid. Um, I had uh, my first computer was an Atari 130XE. Uh, I was like the nerd in grade school that had uh, dot matrix printed cue cards when they gave their book report in fifth grade. <laughs> Like my source was CompuServe online, like not to date myself too bad. Sure. But I, <laughs> I was in it from a little kid. It was always just a fun hobby, a, a great tool. And then during my professional, during my military career, I really just had to, and part of the things that, that I was doing required me to learn to work with computers to do the, the job I was doing and, and learning how to script and learning how to later do programming and later taking advantages of the military benefits that I could get a degree and formalize that education uh, was something that I, I did. So that's kind of how I got bootstrapped into it. And then since then, I've kind of been bitten by the bug to build solutions and build, build things that solve hard problems. Right. Yeah, wonderful. And obviously, you know, many years later, I guess, maybe describe a little bit of, of what you've been doing in the more recent years and, and what you're doing now and where you think um, your journey might go. And obviously with that, where you think, you know, cybersecurity and, and IoT technology will be going in general, where you might be following. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, cybersecurity in the IoT space is really super important, right? So I got into IoT, I guess, um, and it really became a passion beyond just kind of general technology solutions because i saw this uh, incredible potential of you know when i am day-to-day -day dealing with real-time data back and forth and then all of a sudden this kind of small board computer revolution comes out and, and folks who are really come from a cloud come from a big data um you know background can now buy little tiny computers like raspberry pis and intel edisons and arduinos and hack on stuff and you know i'm building a real-time platform i've got these small board computers i'm like why not connect these things, yeah. right? Um, just to screw around and see what I could do. And then my eyes became more and more open as I'm doing this to the possibility. And so the possibilities are amazing. If you think about what we can do with technology today when we connect the physical world mm. 
to the digital world that we're all working in, right? Everyone listening to this probably cares about the digital world. Right. But when we start not just putting sensors, but putting actuators into the physical world, right? That's where we can do amazing things, right? We've got the capability to connect our business systems and all of our smart, smart IT stuff down to the down to the physical world. And what I like to do, what I like to call kind of engineering serendipity. Mm-hmm. So what that means would be just, you know, if we look at the physical world today, um, we can sense, put sensors everywhere that we might we might want to observe things, put actuators everywhere where we might want to change things. And as folks who are software and information technology practitioners, we can now take the way that we want the world to work and make it happen, right? Or at least, you know, maybe get 80 or 90% of the decisions right and automated. And, you know, somebody can make a decision, a really contextually smart decision because we have all the mm-hmm. sensor data for the rest of the time. So yeah. it's, uh, it's a pretty important thing. Uh, it's how I got into IoT. And uh, obviously with that comes cybersecurity. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, definitely bright horizons in that sense, I guess, kind of more broad question maybe, but what are some of the challenges you're specifically seeing in um, the IoT and the cybersecurity world, you know, modern day, especially as it comes to um, maybe hiring practices, obviously, so that's kind of the frame of our conversation. Right. So hiring practices in, uh, in the IoT space, it requires some different skills, I think, right? So you have to not only know traditional IT stuff, but very often they'll be looking for the more electrical engineering side, right? Mm-hmm. I've always been uh, someone who said for a while that, you know, the for a long time, and uh, people have been able to get great jobs and and have great career advancement if they're if they know the basics of computer science, right? And then grow from where they are from the basics and grow grow into more of the dev space, into the security space, into the you know writing application space, distributed system space. But at some point, you're going to bang your head against the wall if you don't have a electrical engineering background in the IoT space. And it doesn't mean that you have to like, you know, design circuit boards in your sleep, mm-hmm. but you should at least understand how your how your technology lives uh, or how the hardware that we run on lives in a world that is outside of uh, the data center. Right. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. I think um, a lot of what you're bringing up kind of reminds me of your you getting a start in the military, of course, I guess for veterans, maybe transitioning out of the military, trying to get into security, specifically IOT. What do you think should be some of their focus as far as um, maybe industries to target or ways to just kind of get around all of that? You know, it's quite challenging sometimes. There's a wide variety of IOT jobs yeah. out there, right? Yeah. So uh, I started in the startup world. That was a big risk for me. Um, but I was comfortable enough to like, I left, I literally left the military with an offer to continue in the DOD yeah. uh, as a civilian. But while I was waiting for them to do the paperwork, I took a took a, a took advantage of a contracting opportunity that later turned into a full-time opportunity. And I said, I'll give this a little time and then mm. I'll come back. So be willing to take a risk, startup, but there's also tons of industrial IoT out there right. where um, you know, you're you're gonna find companies that need someone to to do instrument physical serious stuff. And those are usually much bigger companies that are going to have cultures that are not obviously not the same, but closer to what you'd expect in the military. Mm -hmm. So it depends on what you're looking for from a culture perspective. Are you looking to go, um, you know, to to be in a small team that's doing a lot of tasks and wearing many hats and a lot of freedom? Or are you the kind of person that loved being in the military because you liked the structure of being part of a big team with big plans and processes and regiments and the ability to execute tremendous things because of those things? So that's yeah. gonna that's gonna help you decide where what industry you should target. But almost everyone today is doing IoT in some way. Right. What skills do you think from the military would particularly um, connect to maybe those larger corporations like you're mentioning or, you know, a smaller team? What's maybe the difference, if any? 
Yeah, well, leadership in both of them, leadership's been super important for me. You know, I was, um, you know, I had the opportunity to, uh, during my time in the military, I only got the opportunity to attend the primary leadership development course. It's called something else now in the army, but basically, um, you know, I had, I did have the benefit of having some tremendous leaders, right? And, right. you know, from their example, I found that in the civilian world, that skill, that leadership skill translates extremely well, but you have to be careful with the way you use it, right? Um, the advice I'd give to people would be that, when you're coming out of the military, there's a very strong culture, right? Mm -hmm. There's a very strong expectation. There's a shared culture, a shared vocabulary, a shared expectation of how people will behave. There's shared ethics, there's shared morals. There's all those things that you kind of take advantage that all of the people you work with have these things. They don't have these things. Uh, in some cases, they comically don't have these things. Right. In the so while well, you've got a tremendous capability because you know how to execute leadership, you know intrinsically you should at a senior level or, or at least even a junior level in the military leadership, you should right. know how to execute these things. It's a tremendous skill, but you have to wield that skill correctly. And it's you have to wield that skill differently, taking into account all of those cultural differences. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think in a lot of situations as well, people that are in the military transitioning out <clears throat> that are used to being in more of a leadership position, transitioning to the commercial or, or private sector, even in the DOD space, you know, they're often going to, into much smaller roles. You know, people that used to have 20 people reporting into them, for example, might not have any or might only have a couple. Um, and so I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like framing that expectation would be important. Um, I hear that as a frustration from people sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I know, yeah, go ahead. You have to prove it, right? Yeah. That's the thing is that, you know, it's, um, it's a, at any business, they're taking a risk when they hire you, right? Right. Um, and, you, and so prove it. And then if you're, if you're put in that position, I've been, you know, asked to be in that position. Oh, you're going to take less people. You're going to do, well, what's the path up? Mm -hmm. Right. Where do I go from here? Right. What's my trajectory? It's a benefit we have in the military that you don't have in a lot of the civilian world is that right. you, you know, in the military, you have a very clear progression path. Everyone needs to, everyone knows what you need to do to get to the next rank. Right. Right. You're not going to have that in the civilian world, but it's okay to ask. Mm -hmm. You're not expected to know that. Right. Take advantage, like ask, what do I need to do to get promoted here? Mm -hmm. Right? Not, hey, boss, not that I'm trying to take your job. Don't be scared. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> but you have to ask because those th those things will come. Um, yeah. If you're doing a good job, no one is going leadership. If you have good leadership experience and good technical jobs, mm -hmm. you're not going to run into a ceiling if you um, you know if you do a good job at all. Yeah, we've touched on it a little bit, and I know we've talked about it on past podcasts, or you and I have talked about it in the past as well. But as far as um, I often find that people transitioning out of the military or, you know, have recently transitioned, will try to stick to the DOD space, government contracting, whatever it may be, stick to their clearance, for example, they feel like that's, you know, going to help them transition into the private sector, um, which is oftentimes the end goal for a lot of people. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? When do you think it's necessary to, to target commercial private? It's just kind of random. I don't know. Nothing's so nothing's. I mean, you, I mean, I you have a clearance, use it, right? If it if it's yeah. if it benefits you, use it. If it, the position is a position that you want, then use it. But mm -hmm. you know, you don't. If you feel like, hey, they're, they, I'm going to wonder in ten years, right? And I'm doing the same thing, and I feel like I'm going to the sausage factory again every single yeah. day. This is the same group of people, the same lifestyle. If I'm if that's not what you want, then don't then. Take a risk. Most most of the time, you have a you have a clearance. You, as far as I know, mm -hmm. um, and what do I know? Uh, check, check check this to be true. You know, right. you know, you have that. You have that clearance. It's good for a certain amount of time, and so you can take a flyer and take a job for six months or take a job for a year, right? Mm -hmm. That um, that allows you to try out a different space, 
right? Mm -hmm. And you might find that there are other things that you like in the civilian space more than you liked in the military space or the DOD space. And I know there are cultures that are, you know, defense industry adjacent that uh, will love your clearance and operate like a startup. And those are right. those are places that you should probably target. Right. <laughs> you know, if that's yeah. if you have those questions and want to leverage that security clearance. Right. Definitely. Another common theme we often talk about on this show and in general is around um, certifications and other traditional barriers as far as like a job requirement, for example. I guess what's your position on um, certifications and where they are within security? And I guess I'm not familiar with any like IoT specific certifications, but what's kind of the, the thought there in general for you? Um, so, yeah, I, as a, a hiring manager. Yeah. Um, I've hired some of the best software engineers I've hired have zero software certifications in the software engineering space, right? Which is, you know, adjacent, but not always the same as, as the security space. Right. Um, as a hiring manager, it doesn't matter as much to me because I, I hire on ceiling. So if you show me that you have the capability to be a really high performer, right. it doesn't matter if you've got a, you know, if you have a GED, I don't know if you don't have a GED. But you show me that you're a really good coder, or you show me that you you know how to exploit systems and you know how to red team or you know how to blue team. Like I don't mm -hmm. I don't mind. Um, right. To me, it's not as important. To some places, those bigger companies, those bigger yep. industrial co companies, yep. they're gonna if that's what you want, if that's the culture that you fit, then you have to pay the dues, and the dues is to get those certifications. Yeah, fair enough. I was going to bring that up as a point. You know, usually the larger, you know, more more grandeur of the company, then that's usually the case. Um, call it what it is. You know, a lot of people have frustrations towards certifications, think they're necessary, etc. Um, but they are there for a reason. Obviously, as a recruiter, it's something that I look for in people's backgrounds half the time. But um, also think it's important to to work through what you're talking about. If they can do the job, what's their ceiling? Um, you know, are we able to advocate for them in that sense? So I definitely think that is important. Um, that's kind of the main chunk of questions I immediately had. I'm curious if you have a question for me, obviously being on more of the traditional, you know, talent and recruiting side, you know, having a lot of different angles over security in different industries, et cetera. Um, I'm curious if you have a question that, that might come to mind for me that, that might be worth bringing up. Yeah, I mean, in your mind, what do you think are the biggest kind of cybersecurity threats, right, that companies are looking to defend? Like, if I'm going to focus on edge, you know, if I'm looking mm -hmm. for a new for a career, I wonder, should I be focusing on endpoint protection? Obviously, super popular right now in cybersecurity, mm -hmm. right? Should I be focusing on, you know, the traditional malware managing a ton of, uh, of IT structure? Should I be, what should I be focusing on to... Um, to find where the, to kind of skate where the puck is going, right? Yeah, fair enough. I think a, a lot of my work, and I think I've mentioned this in the past, is in um, traditional offensive security. So, you know, red teaming, penetration testing, et cetera. That's where we as a business, at least recently, have felt a lot of need from hiring managers, where we get a lot of a lot of business, of course. Um, obviously, the market for that is quite big. So that's kind of my main insight. Obviously, not having a full view over the technical side of cybersecurity. I'm not sure, you know, where the industry is going in that sense, but I know um, a lot of other recruitment agencies as well are finding a lot of success in um, offensive security, um, which is traditionally, I think, where a lot of, um, you know, hackers and, and people that are trying to break into security would go into the penetration testing route, getting their OSCP, et cetera. Um, but that's certainly um, a hot market as is security kind of in general. So that's, that's the insight I might have. What about, um, 
you know, what about things like uh, anomaly detection, right? Inside of a security, the more of the passive, I want to sniff the big data mm-hmm. from, uh, I know a lot of that requires a, a advanced data science degree or an AIML experience, right? Yeah. Where do you see the intersection of those kind of more academic ad- advances and academic pursuits with concrete cybersecurity practitioner work? Yeah, it's interesting because I think the only roles, at least recently for, for us, have been in... Um, in a lot larger companies that are going through that. Um, we have a division as well that kind of governs embedded engineering, electrical engineering, like you're mentioning. And I see some similarities between that, um, but it's not necessarily a market that that I see is, um, is booming or whatever might necessarily be the word. Um, obviously I'm only one kind of, kind of view within the industry, but that's kind of the insight there. Larger businesses I've seen are, are where that's focusing. Um, if that answers your question, I suppose. Yeah, no, it would make sense. If you have a, you, you have a lot to watch. You need to be yeah. able to detect those. And you're looking for, you know, you're not looking for um, exploiting known. You're looking, you're exploiting known things because you assume that you have the competency to patch, keep your system patched mm-hmm. to date. You're more looking for the, in those bigger systems, you're looking for someone who is, uh, you know, an advanced persistent threat inside your network. Yeah, right. I would agree. You can only really detect that because it's all zero day. Uh, you, yeah. can only really, you can only really detect that if you have a, a competent uh, internal visibility and observability inside your network, right? Right, right. Definitely. Another topic I, I guess worth bringing up that we've talked about in the past is as far as things that the security professionals, people transitioning potentially um, can do outside of their professional career, you know, side projects, um, OWASP is one we've brought up a lot in the past. Do you have any other programs or, or things like that that you think are are valuable for people trying to trying to break into new new parts of the role or what have you? Um, no, I mean, it's valuable sometimes to have a good GitHub account. Right? Yeah. So uh, whatever whatever you do to show off, and it's really if it's going to be it's going to be a side hustle, you have to be passionate about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it has to show that you understand the physical world. For IoT cybersecurity, you if I was looking at someone for what side projects, I'd look look at them to actually do something. I actually used to make uh, developers that would join my team build something with our product. Mm-hmm. Not just build the product, build the thing, right. build something, build it in, you know, instrument, uh, your drink coaster was one that was really successful, right? Stuff like that. Um, yeah. under, and then show me how you would build that in a secure way, mm-hmm. right? So show me that you can use your professional skills in a hobby and mm-hmm. a fun thing that you can build yourself. Hopefully, you know, you have a, a bit of a maker spirit if you want to try that kind of stuff. Yeah, fair enough. It's certainly something as a recruiter that I catch on to. You know, obviously I'm I'm working through a number of things I'm looking for for a certain role and for a certain hiring manager. But if I'm hearing about people's side projects or, or they're passionate about things, that's often something that when I advocate for them, um, catches on really well with hiring managers and companies. So um yeah, fair enough. That's definitely a good thing to think about, I think, for people. Um I'm trying to think, like I said, that's kind of the main chunk of the questions um, I particularly have. Um, you know, that's the usual kind of run through for us. I'm curious if you have another call out or anything you want me or, um, you know, people listening to think about, especially, um, you know, veterans and people potentially transitioning into the industry or, or trying to break in, I guess, just what's the what's the maybe wrap up thought? Yeah, I guess, well, you know, my wrap up thought is, um, you know, transitioning from the military, the military gives you tremendous skills right there's the yeah. it's that culture that you come from there is really good pieces of it not all of them transfer right don't don't believe people when they tell you that oh you trans all you get go to the military you get these trans transferable skills the skills transfer the right. culture doesn't right so be cognizant um listen to people if your job as a leader is to provide purpose direction and motive, motivation to folks um 
you're going to have to do it in probably a different way than you're used to, right? And But you should be able to figure that way out by just listening to people, talking to people, thinking right. about what your brain says is your instinct to do, and then how to achieve it, speak, you know, in a, in a way that this person will understand. Those are the important things to do as a, as when you transition out of the military into the civilian world, um, I, you know, that those, those are the incredibly valuable skills that are most likely to not be used correctly. And I know I've made that mistake a million times, way too many times. Mm -hmm. uh, but eventually it got through my thick skull on how to, <laughs> how to do it the right way, hopefully. So yeah. People, so, um, so that's so that's in a, and I think that uh, you know for cybersecurity professionals, I would say in general, uh, the IoT is coming. The IoT is um, probably the Internet of Things is the greatest threat to our security as a society from technology. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, typically in the cybersecurity world, the stakes are we lost access to our IT systems. We lost access to IP. We lost access to our systems for a few days until we paid some ransomware, right? The table stakes now are we've poisoned the environment. Yeah. People have died. Bad things, very bad things have happened. So, um, you know, and I know there's a bunch of people working on this, on this already, but mm -hmm. it's coming and it's going to be probably the most important because it, it can be the most exploited um, piece of the information technology puzzle today. Yeah. Wonderful. It's a great wrap up that I appreciate all the insight. Um, that's kind of all I've got. I appreciate you jumping on, Tom. I appreciate everybody for listening. Um, obviously, anybody listening, feel free to reach out to myself or Tom, I would imagine if you, you know, have any further thoughts or, or want some more insight on any of the stuff we've mentioned today. Um, as always, thank you all for tuning in and we'll be back here once a month. Thanks again, Tom. Everybody, I will see you Thanks, later. Tom.